0: From the MGMA in home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: The big statistic that we saw, which is fascinating, is that 64% of patients under 50 years old, and some high percentage over 50, I don't have that number are very likely to switch providers. They reported, I'm very likely to switch my healthcare provider if I'm able to receive more modern communication.
0: That's Josh Weiner talking about the real threat of losing patients to other providers if your communication is not updated. We'll hear more from Josh in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Is your answering service helping your practice do more with less? Does your answering service function as a seamless extension of your practice? Improve the patient experience, increase staff productivity, and enhance your practice's communication with CCSP. CCSP has built their services and features specifically to help save on your bottom line with a focus on measurable high-impact results. CCSP is committed to the patient-provider experience, and they have packages starting at only $35 and the ability to scale as little or as much as needed. Learn more at callcentersalespro.com MGMA. Is your accounts payable process causing headaches? Mineraltree provides HIPAA-compliant, easy-to-use, end-to-end accounts payable and payment automation solutions that reduce cost by more than 75% and increase visibility and control while mitigating fraud and risk and improving cash flow. Mineraltree is the leading AP and, and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they love to show you why. To learn more, visit Mineraltree.com MGMA. Our guest today is Josh Wiener, CEO of SR Health by Solution Reach. Josh is here to talk about how to communicate with patients in a post-pandemic world. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: First, give our listeners an idea about your background, where you came from, and where your focus has been in healthcare, particularly uh, during this pandemic era.
1: Yeah, I'd love to do that. You know, I'm the CEO at SolutionReach and SR Health by SolutionReach. And our purpose here is to transform healthcare through communication. And we believe that that communication should be made accessible. It should be very personalized and it should be modern. And we've been in business for two decades now and have evolved pretty dramatically over that time period. But I don't think there was a more meaningful moment for our business, for our clients, for our team, uh, for all the patients whom we serve than, than the pandemic was when it, it surfaced, you know, a year a year and a few months ago. What are we, 14, mm-hmm. 14, 15 months into kind of when it really started to impact the United States system. And it really forced a lot of very rapid change, heavy utilization of our digital communication Services much more reliance on text message, on telehealth, on finding ways very quickly uh, to to do things that that we thought were going to take us the next decade to accomplish. I'll say that you know some of the things happened so quickly that we're working with clients on ways to make more long ter- long-term stable change, if that makes sense, where we slapped mm-hmm. a few things together in quarter two of 2020. It worked at the time, but now we're saying, all right, let's get up on the whiteboard and make sure that what we're doing fits really well into the, into the provider and patient workflow. Uh, it needs to be more of a stopgap, and so that's what's bringing this, this next wave of, of work and innovation and yeah, we're just, we're proud of the, the work that our clients did really in that time period. It was very impressive to watch um, how nimble our, our healthcare system was. And we were, we just felt privileged to be a part of that and to be to be able to be in a position to enable a lot of that critical patient communication at a time when it was very much needed.
0: Hmm. I, I completely agree with you. The, the communication has never been more needed, particularly in those early days. We all saw the, uh, you know, the elective type surgeries, those kind of fell off quite a bit. But, you know, there are people with chronic conditions and they needed to be getting into the practices or at least have, you know, televisits with their providers so they could... Uh, be monitored, make sure that they're taking their meds, that their vitals are okay, that sort of thing. And so we we saw that digital and that technology needed more than ever. So give us an idea then, because it did seem like practices were able to stand up telehealth elements to their practice overnight. And so from a technology standpoint, were we in good shape? It was just a matter of loosening the regulations and then the practices adopting some of these platforms. Walk us through that part of it just to give us an idea of what really was available and then and then what took place.
1: Absolutely. You know, the, the technology existed. It was sitting there ready to use on on the shelf. Most you know, most organizations had some somewhere in the low single digit adoption of of telehealth, if you just asked how many of your appointments are done virtually, it would be somewhere in the low single digits depending mm-hmm. on on specialty and then we saw that of course, spike well above fifty percent again highly specialty dependent but the technology was there it was sitting there ready to use the the issue was you know we um, we weren't ready for the a lot of the exceptions and the magnitude, like how do you do this at scale? How mm-hmm. do you do it in a way that works for all of your patients, not just the ones who may have the app already downloaded or who are really digitally savvy or very proactive about, about their, their healthcare. So our, our view the whole way is that proactive patients, patients who Really do a good job managing their own care. They were in pretty good shape throughout the the pandemic. Obviously, there were there was a lot of hardship for folks who weren't able to access care due um, due to the you know inter you know intervening pandemic where they weren't able to get in. To your point on on you know appointments that really needed to be done in person. But broadly speaking, patients who are really doing a good job managing their care. They were able to take advantage of of these digital solutions. Um, what we saw is that patients who maybe weren't accustomed to it or weren't ready that they that they did slip through the cracks. Um, mm-hmm. That was one impact that we saw. Uh, and so, you know, we believe that, you know, for example, you shouldn't have to download an application to use telehealth uh, or. To, you know, do secure messaging with your provider. These things should be enabled through text messaging and secure mobile web web browsers. Smartphone adoption is through through the roof across across you know, all demographic uh, groups, and and that you know we're in a position as a society to make make healthcare much more accessible than it was prior to to 2020. The second group that I'd point to uh, is in addition to what I'd call sort of the marginalized group, is, um, is is a group that was really demanding a better consumer experience. And I think in a, COVID had, had three phases in a way when you think about digital technology. The first phase was one of empathy and acceptance and goodwill. It was, hey, we're all trying to do the best that we can here Let's be patient and work work through. And we did a great job of that. The second phase is, hey, I was able to uh, get food delivered to my doorstep with two clicks. How <laughs> great was that? Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Why
1: why why was it so difficult to get an appointment uh, at at my doctor's office? You know, shouldn't that it, that's more important than you know getting the right burrito? Uh, shouldn't <laughs> Shouldn't that be done better? Mm-hmm. And and that that patience started to wane in 2020. And and what we saw was that organizations that were that were doing it in a better way, that they were rewarded, that they retained more patience, more loyalty, better patient satisfaction. Across the board, we saw patient satisfaction flip meaningfully in 2020 because consumer expectations, the consumer expectations just heightened as that patience wore wore thin. And then the third phase really is coming out of all of this. Well, how do we prepare for the next few years and beyond? And how do we put all these pieces together so that we can deliver a really beautiful consumer-driven patient experience, given all, all that we've learned?
0: Mm-hmm. You said that some practices are, were doing it better and they were rewarded by the, you know, the patients responding, responding to that what is doing it better look like? What did they get? What was their secret sauce, their recipe to connect with those patients so that they did have a great experience?
1: Absolutely. It it really, these are the the healthcare organizations that did such a great job putting themselves in their patient's shoes saying, what do I what do I need uh, as a patient in this difficult time? How, how can my services be as accessible, easy, and understandable as possible from a digital, a digital perspective? I'll give, you, I'll give you one kind of big statistic that we saw last year and then dig into specifically, yes, what were they doing? I can give a few examples of that. But the, the big statistic that we saw, which is fascinating, is that 64% of patients under 50 years old, and some high percentage over 50, I don't have that number, are very likely to switch providers. They reported, I'm very likely to switch my healthcare provider if I'm able to receive more modern communication. So two-thirds of patients said, I don't have... Uh, have it in me to deal with ancient communication practices. I don't want people calling my phone, leaving me voicemails. I don't want to have to pick up the phone and call anybody else and sit on hold for 15, 20, 30 minutes to accomplish a simple scheduling task or or have a billing question answered. That's what I mean by those who, those practices and, and healthcare organizations that were rewarded because they were on the right side of that switching versus mm-hmm. those who weren't. Uh, when you when you look at at specific things, you know, I, I always point to text message enablement. Your mm-hmm. entire organization should be text message enabled. Yes, there are compliance hurdles to get over. Yes, there are technology hurdles to get over and internal workflow hurdles to get over. How do you staff a call center uh, that, um, you know, that's taking inbound text messages rather than traditional phone calls? And the answer is you staff it very differently and you train very differently. And so we, we saw organizations that were able to pivot. We worked with a large physician group in the state of New York that implemented very quickly a what we call a park and wait workflow. And they have tens of thousands of appointments uh, each month. And every single one of those in-person appointments involves text us when you arrive, we will text you back information that you need to know upon arrival. We'll let you know when and where to go and how to do it safely. And that was an organization that I, I kind of hold up as we should have, we should all be like them. And, and that park and wait workflow that they implemented actually expanded very quickly to a text message call center where patients are now having this really beautiful experience and, um, you know, from a digital front door perspective, and they're not going anywhere. Those patients are going to stick there for all their, all their needs, and they're going to tell their family and friends that they need to get their care done uh, there as well. We, at, at SR Health and Solution Reach, we talk about how communication should be as innovative and powerful as the medicine itself that's delivered in our, in our care system, whether that's medicine or whether that's, you know, innovations around care and procedures. And that's, you know, we really saw a lot of validation of that you know, over the past, past year plus
0: hmm I want to talk about the pain points then. You mentioned, I guess, the compliance HIPAA side of it. We can touch on that, but I also wanted to talk about just the technology. So I've got a couple of different um, older relatives that I'm thinking of right now who still have the old flip phone, and they're in that age group, and they're in that health situation where they do need care. I've watched them accept a text and try to read it. And I've seen them try to send a text with the old flip phone, and it's not a good uh, user-friendly experience. What do we do for them? How how do we, uh, and I'm uh, beyond saying, hey, here's a smartphone, please get uh, into 2021 with the rest of us. (laughs) I think at this point, they're probably not going to get a smartphone. So what is your advice then? How do practices communicate with them? How do they have a great patient engagement experience um, with those, uh, let's say, older patients who do still have the flip phones?
1: I think that's a, it's a valid question. I do think we're talking about a small minority of patients, but an important minority and a minority that likely has outsized needs uh, in, the, in the healthcare system. And so I appreciate that that question. I, I was on a panel recently with a chief digital officer of a very, very large health, health system. And, and she said, what they're working on is a no wrong, you know, everybody likes to talk about the digital front door. They're talking about the no wrong door strategy. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't agree more with the no wrong door strategy. And, and a phone call and an email. Uh, these are perfectly acceptable and tried and true doors through which we should be able to access our care teams. At SR Health and Solution Reach, that we, we enable that through our technology. We, we do a, a, a ton of emails. Uh, you can put a lot more content in emails. You can direct folks to portals, to educational materials. You can, you can manage um, opt-in, opt-out security and compliance very effectively through email. Similarly, Uh, you can do a lot through a phone call and a, and a voice message. We, we work with Amazon on our, on our voice uh, on our text to voice technology that that powers our, our phone, our phone calls that we, we deliver thousands and thousands of of automated phone calls to patients each day. It gives them great information. And, And the one thing that we don't do is hard copy mail. Mm-hmm. That's one area that, that we're not touching, and we view that as a very expensive, uh, low-value channel. But the rest, we believe, are, are fantastic ways.
0: Um, Josh, let's look at another pain point then. Let's look at it from the compliance side. Um, we know that, you know, there's what the, the uh, technology companies do, whether it's a, a a Google or an Apple or a Samsung or any of those companies that provide us with the smartphones, that's a certain layer of security. But what do practices need to know? What do they need to be able to tell their patients? So no matter how they access it, whether it's through a smartphone, whether it's through their computer, and they do the texting through their computer, just so the security is there, the safety is there, and that patient data is there as well. Yeah,
1: I love that you brought up compliance and security. It, you know, it's, it's, imp- it's important, uh, extremely important in healthcare. It's important in a lot of other aspects of our digital lives, whether it's our financial transactions or or whether it's just personal information that we may have and and so we work with our clients day in day out on their compliance and security strategies you know um i, I think text messaging is an interesting one because it's um it's not formally recognized by hipaa as a channel through which uh, you know, protected health information (PHI) can can be exchanged, and um, and so it's it, we end up using it as a conduit where we can send use text messaging to send a link that then gets somebody into a secure browser environment. And similarly, you can use email with a link that makes sure that you're in an, an encrypted. Uh, browser environment where PHI is going to be going back and forth. Another really important compliance issue has to do with opt-in, opt-out, and ensuring that communications that are sent comply with TCPA, which is consumer protection around spam and contacting. And... And there are a number of exemptions within healthcare, which are fantastic, that we help our clients work through our general counsel and theirs to make sure that their strategies are gonna work for them. Uh, at the end of the day, as patients, or as, as provider organizations if I'm a provider organization, we are responsible for our own data, our own information and how, how it's being used. And we ought to take that responsibility very, very seriously. But what's been fun is, you know, working as as a team to figure out how do we solve important consumer challenges, how do we deliver a great experience, uh, working within the regulatory framework. And and I think we've been able to accomplish that. It just takes it just takes a lot of work to think it through. And we hope that we've done a lot of that work for our our clients, but our clients have done really amazing work as well and that's why I, you know I, my my personal belief is that when it comes to communication tools you referenced a lot of them it's just wise to work with a partner a thought partner a thought leader that knows healthcare mm-hmm. because it re- there really are some unique things that w- we need to be you know keeping our eyes on
0: okay so i know that in the healthcare world it is so important to measure things, to measure to see if the processes, the tools you're using are working. So when we're talking about this digital patient communication, um, what are the KPIs? What are the metrics that you advise a medical practice should be focusing on to make sure what they're using is working?
1: Oh yeah, I love I love that you asked that. And when when we um,
0: when when we're first
1: engaged with discussions with clients we sit down and we ask what their objectives are and and you know largely what we see is that organizations say you know we have a lot of appointments each year many of them now are virtual many of them are in person it, again, it's specialty dependent, but it may be 40% virtual, it may be 60% in-person. And when you break down the appointment flow, think of it from the time that the patient says, I need care, to the time when that care has been delivered all the way through, post care, follow-ups, and then, and then retention and education and adherence there are different KPIs that you would look at and that our clients look at to measure success along that entire patient journey. So this is a session we could spend all day talking about how you measure the perfect appointment flow. But broadly I'd put it in several categories. The first is how easy was it to get that appointment? Uh, and you can come up with some KPIs there. But the one that I would say most of our clients are focused on right now is, has to do with no-show rates and has to do with billing and has to do with how effectively are we managing our population's health and closing gaps in care with really effective digital outreach. I'll zero in on the no-show rate, that's one. But again, we could spend all day looking at KPIs along the journey. The no-show rate is one that is gonna vary depending on patient mix and depending on appointment type. But it's not uncommon that we will start working with organizations with 20 or 25, Percent no-show rates. That's a really important KPI, and and you look at the then you start to say, well, why, why, why did a patient not show up? And you start to look at depending on the specific patient mix and appointment type, was it transportation? Was it uh, forgetfulness? Life got busy. Was it worry about cost? Uh, was it that they went out and found a new provider. Uh, All of these things are possibilities, but it can all be mitigated, excuse me, with fantastic digital communication. We call it the perfect appointment workflow. And, you know, I'll give you just one last example here, uh, which is we we work with um, the Pediatric Physicians Organization of of Children's, which is part of Boston Children's, uh, really amazing Physician led organization. And we've been working with them to reduce their no show rate by about 25%. They already had a very, very low no show rate. Mm-hmm. I think it was five, five, five and a half percent, something like that. And we've been able to cut that down by 25%. So it's now four, you know, four percent. Uh, and we're, we're figuring out how do we get it to three percent. And it really has to do with whether you're in that per, in person or virtual environment tailoring a communication flow that makes sure that your patients have what they need to be able to show up prepared for that appointment. And if they don't, providing options for what to do about it.
0: Mm -hmm. Josh, you have touched on a lot of aspects of patient engagement and communication here today. Let's boil it down to one takeaway. If there's one thing you want our listeners to know that they can begin to implement today in their practice or begin planning to implement uh what would that be
1: that's a great question
0: there's one thing
1: that you ought to be thinking through It's are your communication practices as consumer friendly as your patients expect them to be. This is a critical juncture in healthcare. I believe that there are tens and tens of millions of patients who are literally up for grabs. If you look at the data that two-thirds of patients are considering switching for better digital communication, we know what that better communication looks like. You may have already implemented that better communication and you may be seeing that flow through in terms of all of the new patients that you're welcoming into your practice and all of the patients whom you are retaining for life because they've had such a, a great experience, particularly over the last year, year and a half. And I would challenge you to say, you know, we've rapidly gotten to a point where patients are not accepting old school communication. They're not listening to voicemails by and large. They are not picking up their phone. They generally aren't answering emails. Uh, how are you going to access your entire population? Uh, of of patients and effective digital communication, this is possible it 's doable we 've got some best practices and proven formulas. There are great thought leaders out there working through uh, working through how this is done and and so I just yeah I think that 's a great way to, to kind of close, close this out or put a bow on it. but are you delivering we know you 're delivering great care great medicine. We, we know that. Are you delivering that patient experience that's truly differentiated, that's going to keep your patients for life?
0: Okay. Well, as a final thought, I, I want to switch gears completely. You know, it's been a challenging year, so I just want to pick your brain and, and figure out what have you been doing during the pandemic to find some kind of work-life balance? What's been going on with you? Oh, man. You know, it's,
1: you know, the phases of this, but it was, it was tough last year. We were we're all locked down, you know, situations and, you know, folks uh, who, who are used to being more mobile or used to being on the road, visiting with clients, um, you know, um, being out, out in the community and having that all, all switch. Switched to virtual, and that that created the pressure cooker situation, mm-hmm. which which was tough. I think on me personally, it was tough on a lot of us. And and I think over the last year, it's been it's been enjoyable to find you know just be creative and and get you know find a new sense of normal. Uh, obviously, now I think with the vaccine availability, and with with case counts the way they are, it's really refreshing just to to be out and, and be able to be a lot more social than, than we were. But I relied so much on, on, you know, being with my family, on being outside. We live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and have amazing access to beautiful outdoor spaces, which we
0: always took
1: advantage of. But last year was one where we just tried to be outside as much as possible.
0: That's great. Well, that is, that's a great uh, way to end this. So Josh, thanks for, thanks for being here today. And thanks for sharing so many good ideas and thoughts on digital communication with us today. Thanks so much.
1: Really appreciate it, Dale.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode of insights. Thanks to our guest, Josh Weiner. Also, thanks to Mineral Tree and CCSP for sponsoring this week's show. Mineral Tree is the leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com slash MGMA. And CCSP is ready to learn how you measure success and build a custom solution to meet it. Learn more at callcentersalespro.com slash MGMA. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at MGMA.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.
1: Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at MGMA.com membership. Thanks.